0: Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, streaming
1: live at wordradio.com.
2: Welcome back to Evening Words. I'm your host, Dr. James Peterson. We are live on WRD, 900 AM, 96.1 FM. If you want to join this conversation, please give us a call at 215-634-8065. That's 215 634 Eight zero six five. I want to introduce two incredible guests to today's program. First, I want to welcome back to the program Gregory Walker, who's the founder and global creative executive director of the Brothers Network, which was founded in two thousand seven. The network is an arts presenting, theater producing, black culture promoting nonprofit that normalizes brilliance for and about black men. Mister Gregory Walker has been doing all kinds of things, serving on boards, doing great work in the city of Philadelphia. Gregory, welcome back to Evening Words and. Along with Gregory is, man, somebody I've looked up to for a long time and followed for a long time. Mr. Keith Boykin is a New York Times bestselling author and a former White House aide to President Bill Clinton. Graduated from Dartmouth, that's where my sister went to school, and Harvard Law. Keith has taught at American University in D.C., the Institute for Research in African American Studies at Columbia and City College of New York. He is a co-founder and first board president of the National Black Justice Coalition and a Land Literary Award winning author of seven books. His newest book, which is coming to Philadelphia soon, is called Why Does Everything have to be about race gregory walker keith boykin welcome to evening words
0: thank you very hey. much for having both of us it's a pleasure to be here with you dr peterson
2: hey it's a pleasure to be here hey keith it's great to see you great to see both of you here so so let's let's start at the beginning here you know there is the 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 james baldwin centennial is upon us um and i, I want to start with with you keith uh, did you did you time why does everything have to be about race with the centennial? Or was that just, it just worked out that way. This is your eighth or I think it's your eighth or seventh book. Uh, and it just worked out that way. But the timing is perfect given, given the space you write in.
3: <laughs> I know. I wish I could be so clever as to have time in the two years in advance, but no, I started writing this book two years ago. Um But first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate that. Um, but I uh, have been, I've been writing about race, race issues for several years. This is my seventh book, as you mentioned. And um, this book was originally designed just so I could sort of answer some of those annoying questions that people have all the time about race, that white people are always asking to try to distract and gaslight black people. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know when I started working on this project in 2022, that here we would be 20 in 2024, two years later talking about some of the most ridiculous things you could possibly imagine people like Nikki Haley saying that America's never been a racist country or denying that the civil war was about slavery or even Ron DeSantis claiming that uh, slavery wasn't all that bad because they they were learning life skills and they mm-hmm. could use it later mm-hmm. somehow uh, there's just so much gaslighting going on and I you know James Baldwin is a hero of mine and so I think his words are timeless you know whether there's a centennial or just an everyday occasion for black people but the the, the book and the subject matter will never go away until we confront the issues of race and racism directly Mhm mm-hmm. I've I like a thousand follow up
2: questions but I want to kick it over to Gregory real quick Uh Gregory I, I I'm sure you've probably known Keith Boykin for a while you know wh- wh- what made you decide uh, to kick off the, the Brothers Network's centennial celebration with with Mr. Boykin and, and his great work in why does everything have to be about race?
0: Well, more than ever, I think that the, this critical question in the minds of white people and white supremacists is really about they think everything is about race, the turning back of so many policies that were at least at least moving forward in some ways for black people are now, now seem stymied. The Brothers Network is entrenched in amplifying the messaging that an author like Keith Boykin brings forward around race, but also as a writer, as a black man, as someone who's a literary voice and a scholar in his own right with regard to the issues of race. And so we thought it was more Timey than we could imagine serendipitous is what I would say uh, to ask Keith to join us here in Philadelphia for the launch of his book, uh, Why does everything have to be about Race? It is serendipitous. And to echo the point that Baldwin is timeless. The mm. Brothers Network's work is timeless and will never end until racism and bias is eradicated.
2: Mm, thank you for that. So so, Keith, couple of follow ups here. I mean, and i I will want you to kind of put on your political hat for a moment. Help help our audience understand. What political value uh, do do folks like Ron DeSantis and Ed or Nikki Haley get with these kind of comments that that erase uh, the history of racism in the country? And, and and I know they're annoying, but I'm assuming that there's some kind of political value they get from them. And I'm wondering what you might think that is. Oh, yeah, of, of
3: course. And I think this is definitely true with uh, Nikki Haley. Even more so to a certain extent than with Ron DeSantis, because Nikki Haley is the woman of color herself uh, of Indian descent mm-hmm. and you know, her. Original name on her birth certificate is Nimarata Nikki mm-hmm. Haley. So I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an evolution of a name that she she was born with the name Nikki, but that that was her middle name, and she knows as well as we do that the name Nimarata doesn't play as well with certain conservative white people. Mm. Uh, and so part of the logic of her her strategy in making these outrageous comments is to appeal to the white conservative base, uh, to appeal to the grievance politics of the Republican Party, to appeal to people who don't want to acknowledge that racism is a problem. Uh, and so her denial of the truth helps to, helps to contribute to that. The reason why I say it's probably worse for her is because she's a person of color, unlike Ron DeSantis, and also because she is from South Carolina, She was the governor of the first of the state that was the first state in the country to secede from the union, Mm. the governor of the state where she had to pull down. She didn't pull it down. She was a reluctant participant in this. But but the state had to pull down the Confederate flag just a few years ago when she was the governor. I mean, she she was a governor of a state. (laughs) South Carolina that put Strom Thurmond into the United States Senate one Correct. of the, one of the most notorious segregationists in American history who by the way had a a black child with a with a black woman you he never talked about but you know th- th- there's just so there's this whole sort of inconsistency and and part of the reason why I think the book is so relevant to what's going on with the conversations about Nikki Haley is because What I do is I try to look at the the ways in which white supremacy is perpetuating itself. And I divide it into five categories. One is erasing black history, which Mm. is exactly what Nikki Haley is doing. Mm. Two is centering white victimhood, which is a part of what the white Republican Party is trying to do. Three is denying black oppression, which is a tactic they use to say that whenever we think, whenever we complain about something, we're just, it's all in our minds. It's all delusional. The fourth is promoting myths of black inferiority. So you have people out there today, just this week, promoting this logic somehow. They're afraid to get on the airplane because when they see a black pilot, because now because of DEI, they might not be qualified. Or a black surgeon might not be qualified. As if they ever trusted black people to fly a plane or or operate on them before DEI. Mm -hmm. And then the last Mm -hmm. part of it is rebranding racism, number five. And so all these tactics, these five tactics are what they are using. Those are the five... Parts of the book those are the tactics that they're using to try to perpetuate white supremacy
2: so so keith and one quick follow-up for that the the you know and i'm going to butcher this quote but you know one of the most profound things that morrison ever said about racism is that its greatest power is to distract us right and so and so what how do how do we square that? So obviously you're giving us some analysis, and I definitely want to hear more about some of the examples that you talk about in the book around how they try to rebrand racism and 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 I know a couple of them, but I'd love to hear a little bit more. But but how do we square our con our sort of ongoing work to eradicate racism, like the kind of work that Gregory's trying to do with or that is is doing with the Brothers Network? How do we square that important work with this idea that sometimes racism is by design just try to distract us from our appointed course of rectitude. It's it's here simply to keep us from focusing on doing some of the work that's important for our communities.
3: Well, I'm glad you started there because that's how I start the book, actually, Mm -hmm. the very first Part of the book begins with that quotation from Toni Morrison mm. at Portland State University in 1975 when she says the function of racism, the very serious function of racism is distraction. Mm. The point of it is to keep you from doing your work, to keep you having to answer those questions. You don't You don't get pulled over by the – you don't get uh, uh, the, the taxi cab to pick you up on the street in Philly and you know it's because you're black. Uh, And the taxi cab driver goes and picks up a white person a block down the street. And then everybody tries to convince you that it's not because you're of your race, There's some some <laughs> other reason because of it why it's ha- why it's happening. You walk into a, a department store, a grocery store, and security guards follow you, and you know it's because you're black, but they try to distract you to pretend like oh it's not because you're black, it's because of some other reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you apply for a job, you have a black sounding name, but you have all the qualifications, but you don't get even an interview, while people who are white who don't have those qualifications do. Lots get of the data on that, that front. Job.
2: Lots of data on right. that front.
3: And they try to gaslight us and and pretend like it's not about race. It's all about something else. Even when Donald Trump was elected president, they said it was economic anxiety, (laughs) not because of racism. It was just economic anxiety. So, you know, the whole point is we have to be consciously having these arguments over and over again because they are a tool to keep us distracted. They want us to be uh fighting to, to answer their questions instead of fighting for our own agenda. So I think it's important what Gregory Walker is doing, what other organizations are doing across the country to try to support our own community, develop our own institutions, because they will continue, continue to try to disrupt our ability to progress until we Come together and work collectively to, uh, to build our own institutions.
2: Mm, mm, mm. Thank you for that, Keith. Appreciate that thorough answer. Um, Gregory, let's talk a little bit about the event at Theater Exile this week. Talk to, I mean, no spoilers here. We want everyone to come out, but let's give them the details of it. Um, and also talk a little bit about, about how you want to frame the program and, and, conversation on, on, is it Friday? Well,
0: we, we love this idea of having Keith there to engage us in, like, in intellectual discourse led and guided, of course, by his new book. Theatre Exile is located at 1340 South 13th Street. That's in South Philly, right at Reed Street, 19147. It's a wonderful venue. Um, it has about a 100 seats, and we'd like to fill all of them, so we still have space available. Today being Monday, the event is on Friday at 7 o'clock. And books will be available for Keith to sign and also... Um, You can have a little bit of a conversation with him and we'll have some small refreshments as well as we also kick off Black History Month. We at the Brothers Network believe Black History Month it's really every single month. Mm. It is not just these 28 days. It is every single day. And since we started in 2007, that is our mantra. And we work to show all of the wonderful people and brilliant people who perhaps are falsely stopped by – a policeman when they're driving just because they are black and maybe in a nice car or maybe in a not so nice car. Mm. Uh, Just recently in New York City, the former person who was falsely convicted in the Central Park uh, fiasco 30 years ago was recently stopped by the police. This is a city council person.
2: Council person Salam, yes.
0: City council person. And unfortunately, the police officer was unable to recognize uh, that any black person, city council person, or otherwise, is 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 not worthy of a ridiculous traffic stop. Mm-hmm. So our lives are in danger, and we work very hard to continue to amplify all the brilliant accomplishments that black men have had and continue to have in history, art, culture, theater, and every other possible way.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. So Chris. that
0: we can finally convince the white people that we're not the terrible people they've imagined. <laughs> wow, I mean, again, I, I. I I'm not
2: sure how, how much that will ever register given like kind right. of where they are and the value of the, of, of the, you know, there's, the, and, and Keith, I know you get at this. There's a lot of money to be made from racism, right? It's profitable, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I love and respect uh brother Gregory and I, I fully support what he's doing. Um I do have to say this though. I don't know that we're we're ever going to convince those white people, nor that it's even important to convince those white people. You know, I I always talk about this whole this whole notion of meritocracy that white people are in love with right now. Nobody should be getting getting a job based on affirmative action or DEI. You should only get it because of your merit. That was never the way this country is operated, and they don't even believe it now. I mean, when Barack Obama ran for president, he was a man who was a Harvard law graduate, Columbia undergrad, who was the president, the first black president of the Harvard Law Review, who was a constitutional law professor, a legal scholar, a state senator, a United States senator, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, a, a, a best-selling author. He runs for, he runs for president and they say, oh, he's unqualified. He doesn't deserve to be president. He, 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 he shouldn't be even considered as a candidate. But white people, the majority of white people, do not vote for him in his first election in 2008 or his second election in 2012. But you know what they do? Four years later, when Donald Trump runs for office, they vote for him. The majority of white people voted for Donald Trump (laughs) in 2016 and in 2020, even though Donald Trump was the first president in American history to come to office with no government experience. Hmm. No government experience, no military experience, nada. Nothing. He was a former game show host who they liked because he spent five and a half years lying about Barack Obama's birth certificate. That's so right. that's part of the gaslighting that's taking place. And I think it's important for us to be able to, to call that out. You know, so I've, I've had to deal with these issues. I, my- I, I,
0: I have to agree that it is gaslighting. But the fact remains that Barack Obama, and I'm not talking politically, was uniquely far more qualified than many other presidential candidates to date and currently. Right. And so our work wants to continue to stomp that and hit people over the head with that. This person is more qualified, and maybe we will work in their consciousness, and maybe we won't. But at the end of the day, when they look at the paper, they have to look at these two people are very different. One is highly qualified, and the other perhaps not so much. And I think it's important, as as a black person, I think it's important for us to tell ourselves and to tell everyone else, look at these qualifications, look at this, and this is the fact of the matter, but we must amplify that. We what? cannot just say, "Oh, we we'll take it for granted." In, ahead, in, from our perspective, yeah. Go ahead, Keith. Well,
3: I, I agree with you, Gregory. But I, I think all, all I'm saying is that I think we have to, we need to have that message for ourselves, so we support ourselves. But I'm not at all confident. And I don't have any confidence whatsoever that, that white people, the majority of white people are going to get there just because we talk about it. I mean, we just went through this with Claudine Gay a few weeks wow. ago, uh, at Harvard. Here's a woman who's eminently qualified, Stanford, Harvard, PhD, Dean of the faculty, uh, published author, and they said that she wasn't qualified for the moment she was selected. Meanwhile, there are half a dozen other Harvard presidents who didn't even have a PhD, including Derek Bach, who's one of the most celebrated presidents in the history of Harvard, in recent history, and um, didn't even have a PhD. They had no problem with that, but he was a white man. So my point is, we can have all the qualifications in the world. Ketanji Brown Jackson had more qualifications than her Supreme Court justice colleagues, but they still said she was unqualified.
0: And (laughs) And so we know those are just lies. We know those are lies and they're not the truth i and mean know, the, know the, 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 listen and, and the,
2: the question that i want to ask both of you and we got to get ready to go break to go to break so i hope you guys will stay over the break because i want to also take a couple calls the the the, the question i have for you like, again like w- so we're having this discussion this is a, i love it when guests are engaged in, in in debate and discussion but but the it still maintains the morrison quote still maintains right if You're we distracted. if we know that folks are qualified Right. Why are we having this discussion? Right. Like I have some listeners, some of them who are on Facebook, chime in and send me messages. You know, why don't we why aren't we talking about something else? Why are not we you know, why aren't we talking more about Keith's book or Gregory? Why don't we talk about the next play you're producing? And and again, that's not a that's not even a pushback. It's just holding on to Morris's quote in a way that I think helps us to defend against the gaslighting of racism. You're listening to Evening Words. I'm your host, Dr. James Peterson. We are live on WURD in deep conversation with Gregory Walker and Keith Boykins. If you want to join this conversation, please give us a call at 215-634-8065. That's 215-634-8065. We'll be back after these messages.
0: And now back to Evening Words with Dr. James Peterson on WURD 900 AM and 96.1 FM Philadelphia.
2: Welcome back to evening words i'm your host dr james peterson we are live on wrd 900 am 96.1 fm we are in conversation with gregory walker and keith boykin if you want to join this conversation please give us a call at 215-634-8065 that's 215-634-8065 gentlemen so question for you and i don't i'm not trying to put you, either one of you in the position where we have to represent all black men but but there's been a lot of talk a lot of chatter about the presidential cycle and some of the drift of black voters towards Trump or towards the Republican side. I have a lot of t- questions about the polling that we don't necessarily have to get into right here. But as as black men yourselves, um but also as folks who have to kind of live and breathe in that political and the and the sort of uh uh, uh social impact space, how do you see the terrain in terms of race? And gender with respect to presidential politics 2024. And Gregory, I'm going to start with you and then, and then we'll kick it over to you, Keith.
0: I want to be very intentional as a nonprofit. I can't really comment legally, or specifically, or endorse or not endorse a candidate. So I will pass the question to Keith, and we'll go with his uh, his expertise.
3: <laughs>
2: nice dodge,
3: Gregory.
0: Go, uh-huh.
3: go, go ahead. I, I, I like that. I'm going to start using that one <laughs> of these days. Okay, gotta give me a nonprofit so I can do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hard because you, you have to raise That's money. It's hard. Mm. That's true.
3: That's <laughs> true. Um, yeah, uh that's a that's a really good question, Dr. Peterson. And I think the answer is uh not something that is simple. It's something that's much more complex. And that means that uh, um the truth is black people in general have been the most loyal constituency for the Democratic Party mm-hmm. for the past five, six decades. Uh you know, no Democratic candidate for president has won the white vote since nineteen sixty four when Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. Uh, and black men have been the second most loyal, supportive group, demographic group supporting Democrats uh, for president than uh, any other group of people except for black women. So in, in some sense, we're judging against an incredibly high standard because black women are the most supportive group of the Democratic Party. Uh And so black men are are not that far behind, even mm-hmm. in recent elections, 85 to 90% compared to maybe 95% for black women. Mm-hmm. But the reason why it's significant is because it only takes a few votes to swing an election. Right. You now, these elections are very close. We saw that what's happened just in my lifetime, just in the 21st century, the election of 2000 was decided by 537 votes in Florida. Mm. Uh, we saw, it, we saw in the, in 2016 when Hillary Clinton lost, that election was, was lost by by 77,000 votes in Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. That's right. Uh, and we saw the last election, even though mm-hmm. Donald Trump lost the election, he's still climbing. He won the election. Right. So, um, every single vote matters. And we saw when Donald Trump tried to get out there and went to, went to Philadelphia, not directly physically, but he sent his people to Philadelphia, to Detroit and to Atlanta mm-hmm. to try to, try to stop those votes from being counted in those black Black cities. He wanted those votes thrown out. Right. Uh, black people's votes thrown out. So I think that a lot of black men are at a, p- a place right now where, uh, we, we get the threat that Donald Trump poses, but there will always be, I can't deny, it, there will always be a group of people who, who feel, uh, connected with the, the message that, that people like Trump presents. And I'm, right. I can't just say it's because they don't have access to information. Some, some may be, uh, they honestly believe some of the some of the ideas that he he supports, hmm. um, and it doesn't matter. I think for some people, uh, the fact that he has a history of racism, that he was sued by the Nixon administration in the, the nineteen seventies, the Nixon administration. administration. <laughs> for racial discrimination in housing because he wouldn't rent to black people. Stunning. It doesn't matter that he led a lynching campaign against five black and brown teenagers in the Central Park 5 case mm. in 1989 and tried to have them executed for a crime they did not commit and still won't apologize for. Mm. It doesn't matter that he was sued by black casino workers and lost and forced to pay a fine uh for refusing to hire them and refusing to promote them and refusing to allow them on the on the floor when certain high rollers, white high rollers, showed up at his casinos. It doesn't matter that he spent five and a half years lying about Barack Obama's birth certificate, the first black president's birth certificate. It doesn't matter that he started his, his presidential campaign by attacking Mexicans as rapists and drug dealers, mm. and then continued his campaign by attacking all Muslims and demanding that all Muslims be banned from even entering the country. It doesn't matter that he called the Nazis and Klansmen on, uh, who were marching in Charlottesville very fine people. It doesn't matter that Donald Trump uh, spent all these years attacking Colin Kaepernick uh, and and. Claiming that he didn't deserve to be uh, on the football field because he had the audacity to take a knee, to just mm. to take a knee to support to support the, the cause of Black Lives Matter when black people were being shot and killed by the police. It doesn't matter that he spent time t- attacking John Lewis, uh, a civil rights mm. icon who was beaten at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. It doesn't matter that he told four black women, uh, four women of color, I should say, including one black woman from Africa, to go back to Africa, to go back to their home countries just because they disagreed with his policies. That Donald Trump has a history of racism that goes all the way from the, his earliest days as an adult to the insurrection that he supported and continues to support. And all the white people tried to throw out black votes and try to stop our government from functioning. And if, if that message doesn't resonate with people <laughs> after all that, I don't know what else I can say. Keith Boykin
2: with the receipts. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, we'll take uh, Maurice from Southwest. Brother Maurice, do you have a comment or question for Mr. Gregory Walker or Mr. Keith Boykin?
1: Well, Mr. Boykin, I already put $10 in the collection plate for you already. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'll take it, brother. I'll take it.
1: I agree with you what you're saying because, see, the reason we're in this situation right now with Donald Trump is because of Democrats. Democrats make you promises they're never going to keep, and Republicans just tell you no. So we are... When we with Democrats, we just show the little percentage that wants to jump ship. It's not that they love Donald Trump. They are just tired of instead of being in the field, they don't want to be an in house slave either. You <laughs> know, and we're just tired of false promises and what they're going to do and what they're not going to do and never keep it. So I'm looking at it like this: the problem we have right now is us. It is not the uh. The, the the white people, hmm. white people are gonna be white people. Ain't nothing we gonna do. It sooner or later we are gonna outnumber them, and then we can wreak our vengeance if we want. But we're right not. We're gonna we're gonna be like in Africa and, and be nice to them. After
2: they Brother them. Maurice, let me give our guests a chance to respond to well, your let comments. Me
1: say, I, let me say one more thing. Go ahead. Please.
2: Thank you, Brother Maurice. We're going to take one more call because we're going to run up against a break here real soon. We'll take Calvin from Delaware. Calvin, welcome to Evening Words. Do you have a question or comment for Mr. Keith Boykin or Mr. Gregory Walker?
4: Uh, good afternoon, Professor, and to your guests. I uh, watching the program over the weekend. They were talking about AI and how it may impact this election in November. Now, they were talking about how up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, you know, this whole thing with this AI, I mean, it mm-hmm. could be manipulated in, in terms of say, people are making robocalls and and yeah. calling people up and saying, "Don't don't come out to vote because there may be violence there." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or or uh, situations where people may be impacted, particularly seniors. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you have people like you know the far right extremists who want to support Haley because they don't like Trump. They know Trump is bad. They want to throw, they want to throw support behind Haley, although she's kind of tanking now. But I don't know, watching this program, I really got to thinking about this whole thing with this election interference possibility, yeah. with all this uh, manipulative uh, AI, going back to uh, looking at 08, I remember that, election interference, uh, 2016 with Russia. I can remember going back to 2000 with the hanging chads. <laughs> the
2: hanging chads in Florida, yes. So, you
4: know, this whole thing with this um, <clears throat> AI, you know, how yeah. things could be like manipulated and what have you. Just wanted to
2: just- yeah, Brother Calvin, thank thank you for the call. Uh, 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 Gregory, I don't know if that's too political for you to weigh in on but uh, Gregory or No, no, or no. Key, I, on I the just AIP. want to make clear
0: that I'm the former vice chairman of the Democratic City Committee in yep. Philadelphia in the Fifth Ward, uh, a role that was the first black person to ever have that role in Center City, which is where uh, downtown basically is. And so I held that role for, for eight years. And in that role, I ensured that African-American men, in this case, Barack Obama, uh, was the candidate in, in, in Philadelphia and in the city of Philadelphia, which he won in the primary. And I think that my engagement played a particular role in making that happen. So I'm, I'm not. Anti-political or apolitical—I'm just aware of the role that I have, and I also want to thank the brother, the first caller, for putting the ten dollars in the plate. Uh, <laughs> I invite him to come out on Friday and see Keith Boykin live and continue this discourse in that conversation at Theater Exile with Keith and his book. Thank you, Keith. I know you're not an AI expert, but obviously AI
2: and and race is a big deal. And uh, the caller was talking about the 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 robocall, the fake uh, Biden robocall uh, in the in the Republican and, uh, primary contest in, in New Hampshire, but there's a lot of algorithmic and AI stuff to be concerned about in this moment. And unfortunately, I'm not sure if our our discourses about race have yet caught up to it, but I wonder what your thoughts are about it, Good Brother.
3: Well, I think you're right. And I think I we want to sort of address that and the first, course, first caller too, because uh, if you look back at the 2016 election where Donald Trump was elected, uh, and Russia played a role in helping to elect him. He even sought the help of Russia to help get That's him right. elected. That's right. They were using bots online to try to stir up black people. That's they didn't right. want black. They knew that black people weren't going to vote for Donald Trump, but they wanted to suppress the black vote. They wanted black people to think that there were other black people out there who were saying you shouldn't vote. And therefore they would try to get lower numbers of black turnout. So that that type of thing is real. It happened in 2016. They will use the same tactic in 2024. And the only thing the AI does is it makes it more efficient for them to hide what they're doing. Mm. In terms of the first caller who is who is calling, I just want to say this about the Democratic Party making its promises. That uh, I agree that the Democratic Party hasn't always delivered on its promises. The candidates haven't always delivered on their promises. But I also think it's important to understand the way our political system works mm. uh, Donald Trump doesn't even understand this mm. the president is not a king or an emperor he can't just decide he can promise all he wants as, as a candidate but he can't do those things unless he has a congress to go along with that to support the legislation he believes in and a judiciary that will uphold his promises mm. so for example uh, Joe Biden wanted to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. he tried to get that through Congress then it got filibustered in the Senate. Joe Biden and want to pass the uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act? Tried to get that through Congress. Tim Scott, Tim, Tim Scott, Scott. Our black Republican brother, was supposed to be brokering a deal. He single handedly stopped that bill from being passed from the coming legislation. It wasn't Joe Biden; it was Tim Scott, a black Republican, who did that. You want to look at some some other issues uh, where Joe Biden tried to help black farmers? Tried to give out relief. Billions of dollars of relief to long overdue, long overdue
2: relief from decades of discrimination. Sorry, Keith, but go ahead.
3: And they sued him. They put they went to court and it was Republican appointed judges who struck down Joe Biden's relief program. He's even trying to even the student loan debt relief, which disproportionately helps black people, disproportionately helps us. They went to court and tried to stop that. Even a, even these even a group of black women. A black women entrepreneur fund uh, called the Venture, the the Fearless Fearless Fund, Fund, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, a VC fund, venture capital for black women, and a private organization. They go to court to stop that private organization from doing that, and they succeed because the courts are filled with Republican-appointed judges, and people have to pay attention to this. You can't just say, "Oh, why I voted for the president? He didn't change everything. I give up." That's exactly what they want you to do. You have to not just vote for the president. You have to vote for, you have to vote for the senators. You have to vote for the members of Congress. You have to vote for the governors, the state legislators, the judges, the student, go- the student, the student, uh, the, the school, school board, board. Pre- the school board members. You have to vote for every single office up and down the ticket. Or else all you're doing is you're putting somebody in power who is a puppet who can't do anything without the people behind him to support him yeah. or her. So that's the important thing for us to understand about the way our democracy really works.
2: Mm, mm, mm. Gentlemen, we are, we are over time. I, I, I could talk to you guys all, all night. I appreciate you both, uh, uh, coming on, uh, Gregory Walker, the founder of the Brothers Network, Mr. Keith Boykin, an incredible author and former White House aide to President Bill Clinton. The new book is called Why Does Everything Have to Be About Race? Both of these gentlemen will be At Theater Exile, we posted the link on Facebook and we'll provide more information about it later on in the program. Gregory, Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on Evening Words.
0: You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM,
1: 900 AM and online at wordradio.com.